You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and this is freaking episode 100. Episode 100. I cannot believe we've made it this far. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for tuning in each and every week uh, or every other week on the times that I just don't manage to get one out there to you. But I so appreciate you coming along for the ride with me uh, over the last couple of years. And there's another guy that's been here for a whole bunch of it, and he is on the line with me today, Mr. Pierce Nellis. Pierce, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. Yeah, dude, we've got uh, we've got some awesome stuff. So I wanted to have you on. I think you are definitely, like, not I think, you are definitely the most repeated guest on this show. Like, there's no, no contest on that. Proudly. What's that? Proudly. Proud, proudly. <laughs> proudly the most repeated guest. Uh, I keep getting them on here because people keep asking me not to, and I'm just rebellious at heart. Uh, so, <laughs> no, but uh, Pierce, man, you've been around since the beginning. You were like one of the first people to reach out to me on uh, on Instagram. First people that, like first listeners that I really got to know. And I think, uh, I think you'd shot a doe. Well, you were like, first you were like, hey, awesome seeing you guys come on the scene here in Wisconsin. Uh, then I think you sent me a message of a doe that had like run down into a creek and you're like, well, that's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we got, we got connected there, struck up a friendship. I've gotten to hunt and fish together since then. So it's been really, really good, man. But who better to have on episode 100 than Mr. Pierce Nellis to talk about, uh, our favorite episodes and share some big news. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm excited that it's officially episode 100. So congratulations to you, really. Yeah, thanks, man. I I'm really bad at this stuff. So like, we knew we were gonna do episode 100. We had planned for this to be episode 100, and yet as we were talking off air, you had to remind me that this was episode 100 <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we were about to record. You're like, hey, aren't we gonna talk about episode 100? Like, oh yeah, that's the whole purpose of us being here. Uh, but man, I've been recording so many different shows here lately and, uh, it, it's, it's hard to keep straight sometimes, you know, what, which I'm on. Cause I just, I don't know. My whole life has become talking about hunting and fishing all day, every day. And, uh, it's easy to get, uh, easy to get sidetracked a little bit, but yeah, man, we're going to talk, uh, a lot today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite episodes over the past. We've got some big news. And I'm going to jump right into that big news here in just a second. Oh, boy. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about the future, like the next 100 episodes of mm-hmm. the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, what you can be looking forward to. But before we get into all of that, though, let's take a moment to hear from our fine sponsors. Get ready to share your hunt this season with the Tacticam Solo Extreme Point of View Camera, featuring one-touch operation, weatherproof housing, and mounts to fit any style of hunting. The Solo Extreme is sure to make filming your hunts foolproof and hassle-free. The Solo Extreme features up to 8x zoom image stabilization technology that takes the shock out of the shot and lets you capture crystal clear wide quad HD 
60 frame per second footage. And you get all of this in a compact camera that weighs under 13 ounces. From now until August 31st, you can get the Solo Extreme and a stabilizer mount for just $149.99. And of course, you get free shipping with that. To learn more or pick up your Solo Extreme today, head over to Tacticam.com. Onyx Hunt is always striving to help make hunters more successful in the field each season. Onyx has just released a bunch of new features to help you on your next hunt. These features include new aerial imagery options like leaf off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back, and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos right there in the app. You can try Onyx Hunt free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com to learn more. Hunt in comfort this season with Camo from Huntworth. They make high quality technical camo at a fraction of the price of other brands. My personal favorites for the early season include the Durham lightweight pants, which are rugged and durable with just the right amount of stretch where it counts, and the Shelton midweight quarter zip hoodie with built-in face mask. To make building out your kit simpler, their website now features their new system builder. This tool will help you grab the right camo no matter what season or species you're hunting at huntworthgear.com. All right, Pierce, let's uh, kick things off here with the big news. So, so far, I have flown solo on the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, and a lot has changed for me over the years. I've taken over other podcasts. I have walked away from my nine to five and gone into business for myself, which is a big deal. I have moved from the state of Wisconsin down to Georgia. All of this was pointing me in a direction that I kind of knew I needed to go, but wasn't one that was necessarily easy because it brings some challenges. Um, You know, we can talk a little bit about what those might be, but I'm super excited to announce we have made the decision to bring Mr. Pierce Nellis on as our co-host officially here on the Wisconsin Sportsman. So Pierce, how are you feeling about that? I'm stoked, man. I'd, uh, hearing you say it, it's a little surreal. I've, uh, got a little stage fright all of a sudden, but, uh, (laughs) I'm pretty stoked, man. I'm really happy to be here. Um, really, it means a lot. You, uh, you bringing me on and I'm, I'm stoked to work together and, uh, stoked to keep talking up Wisconsin outdoor activities, man. Yeah, dude. Like there, there can't be a better person. I mean, with, just our friendship, how that's developed over the years. Uh, you're constantly outside doing something. And uh, I think with your experience as well, man, it just, there, there's not a better fit. <clears throat> and I think you're going to do a fantastic job. Already looking forward to um, all the different skills and assets that you bring to the table. So really fired up about that. Uh, an, a, a piece of this announcement, though, where it's not all sunshine and rainbows for me, is that this means eventually... I am going to step away from the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. Uh, as many of you know, I uh, have moved to Georgia. That makes it really hard to talk about hunting in Wisconsin. Not only <clears throat> uh, is it 15 hours from home for me now, uh, but man, it just breaks my heart all the time talking about the awesome state of Wisconsin while I'm sitting here in Georgia and it's 115 degrees and I can't go outside and I can't go fishing and I can't go deer hunting and I can't, you know, all the things that I loved to do there in Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of that is just gone now. And that's a part of me that I will 
continue to enjoy, you know, I'll still go up to Wisconsin every year. I'm going to be there for deer season here in a couple months. I'm going to be back for turkey season next year, already making plans to head back up there with my son, uh, possibly for a two-week turkey hunt. Uh, I'll be actually be there in October. So I'm going to be in Wisconsin in October. So I'll be up there a couple times this deer season. So it's Absolutely. not, it, you know, it's it's not that it's impossible, but I have found it more difficult here lately to, um, I think, keep fresh and authentic from being so far away. And so that's not going to happen yet, though. We're going to have this period in between where Pierce and I are kind of passing the baton, right? Where um, I'm showing Pierce the ropes of everything behind the scenes when it comes to podcasts, which means all the glorious, glorious editing that we have to do to make ourselves sound halfway presentable before we, we hit your ears. And I know you guys are thinking, like, gosh, the quality of your show, it didn't sound like you edited anything to me. Um, <laughs> but but I, let me assure you, we edit a lot, and uh, what you get is a well-polished product compared to how it originally comes out. So um, anyway, so we're going to be teaching him the editing side of things. We're going to be... Uh, you know, making sure that I follow through with all of my obligations, making sure that uh, we're repping the people that we're supposed to be repping, that we are honoring contracts that we've got out and about, and that we are, um, you know, honoring you guys. I mean, that that to me is very, very important. You have been an essential part of this podcast since day one, or however long you've been listening. You know, the the listeners have made this possible and very, very quickly showed me a ton of support. And so I want to make sure that we are doing well in a handoff here from me to Pierce. And, uh, man, Pierce, who knows, man? Like, I may just become your co-host, and you just may never be able to get rid of me. I don't know. But I'm thinking with the number of other shows that I'm currently hosting right now and the other projects that I've got going on, eventually I will be phased out. But, uh, Pierce, episode 100, dude, should we talk about some of our favorites along the way? I think that that would be appropriate, yeah. I think so as well. I think so as well. I want to uh, to kind of kick it off. What do you say we, I don't know, you want to pick like two or three of yeah. our favorites over the last two years? What has been like the most enjoyable or fun or maybe just one that we think people should go back and listen to because there's so much quality information there? Absolutely. Did you Have you picked some out before this or am I putting you on the spot right now? I picked some out before it. I'm just uh, nice. I'm trying to trying to track down the uh, the titles of each episode. Nice, nice. Yeah, I uh, I thought about them and I kind of picked them out, but I don't have the titles in my mind either. So I'm going to pull them up here on the old on the old cell phone um, as we think about you know what have been our favorites so far. So do you want to kick things off, or do you want me to kick things off? Um, with this favorite episodes. I'd be happy to kick one off right now. I'm still trying to track down the uh, title of it, but one of the favorite episodes of mine um, for a couple of reasons uh, was from October of 2021, which feels like forever ago. Holy cow. Dude, uh, it feel, you, you when just you like recorded with, uh, your good buddy, Tony Peterson, did an awesome uh, deer podcast uh, discussing stuff with him, um, which also happened to be 
the very first episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast that I ever listened to. Oh, nice, to man. By my good buddy, Gus. Uh, very cool. So I that think was, that was... That was what really sold me on the on the show. I want to like, say... This guy gets it. <laughs> that was actually July. That was July of 21. I got her pulled up here. How was it? Bow hunting Wisconsin's Big Woods with Tony Peterson. That's right. We got her pulled up. So that was July of 21. Dude, that was episode seven. Was it really? That was episode seven. So you got in at like the ground floor, man. Yeah. You got in super duper early. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, that, a very good episode. Tony's one of those no-nonsense guys. Um, I just appreciate his approach to hunting and what he makes it and what he doesn't make it. And the amount of information that he is able to distill and simplify and really <clears throat> uh, make hunting enjoyable with kind of his approach of, you know, remembering to have a good time, just going out there, working hard, doing the things you know you need to do, simplifying everything. And, yeah, man, I just really appreciate his approach. Uh, I'm going to throw one out here for you. My One of my favorite episodes was episode four from June of 2021 called Life as an Outdoor Rider with Pat Durkin. Dude. There is no better man in the outdoor space. Well, there are a lot of good dudes, but I will put Pat Durkin up against any of them. As far as being passionate about the outdoors, about conservation, uh, and it it honestly was kind of like meeting uh, a, a, a hero for me when I finally got to talk with Pat because I'd been reading his writing since I lived in Alabama. Like, I've been right. reading stuff from Pat Durkin for a long, long time. So when I finally started this show, I knew right away I wanted to have him on. And when I was nobody, like, nobody knew me. Nobody had a clue what I was doing. I sent Pat an email. Like, the next day I'm getting an email back. Like, hey, dude, when do you want to do it? And, I mean, he was just so gracious with his time. I mean, I think we talked for three hours. The podcast episode is an hour and 45 minutes long, but I think Pat and I talked for three hours that day. And no he was kidding. just, yeah, absolutely. And he was like, yeah, man, got a lot going on, but like, I'm always happy to talk, always happy to help out. And there was just so much there that I got to learn <clears throat> about uh, the culture of Wisconsin because this podcast was birthed as, um, you know, out of legitimate curiosity because I was new in a very new culture. I had just moved to the state in, um, you know, a year before this. And so got to learn about the culture. Got to learn about hunting heritage, got to learn about, you know, the politics and hunting and how those things have melded together in Wisconsin in a pretty unique way that maybe they haven't in some other states. So that was just a really awesome episode. And then uh, I got I just have to give a shout out for for some of those earlier folks. So early on, I had uh, Brett Owsley from the DNR, Shane Simpson on turkey hunting, Pat Durkin. Uh, you know, those guys had never heard of me before, but they were all super gracious, gave of their time, and um, definitely, definitely thankful that they were able to make the time and come on. But yeah, dude, episode four, you need to go back and listen to it if you haven't. There's some really memorable quotes in there from Pat that I threatened him and told him I'd get him put on a shirt, but never did. Um, 
but you got to go back and listen to them. I can't repeat them or uh, my kids won't be able to listen to this episode. But <laughs> but you should go back and listen because it, it's really, really good. All right. Awesome. Next episode from Mr. Pierce. I think uh, it, it's tough to pick just one of them here, but uh, there's another proud Wisconsinite uh, by the name of Sam Billhorn. Uh, who's appeared on the show a number of times. Right. Um, and man, what a wealth of knowledge he is. Like the one that's coming to mind right now um, is the April checklist that you guys did uh, on April 11th um, of this spring. And just hearing, just just the mind shift that came with it of in terms of, you know, really thinking about like a lot of folks, you know, everybody thinks, okay, I'm not going to think about deer season or, you know, cutting tree, you know, shooting lanes or, you know, trimming up trees or planting or doing anything as far as like habitat prep until, you know, July after I've gotten my fishing in and after, you know, after the fourth, you know, did everything I needed to do and you know, all the summer stuff. Now I'll start thinking about deer and just the, the, the pure, just rational approach to whitetail habitat design in terms of using what's going on in the woods at that time in the spring or in the off season to really fuel what's going to happen in the fall. And rather than going in there when it's a hundred degrees and you're sweating like crazy and you're, you know, all the weeds are head high and, you know, trying to drag chainsaws and pole saws and, you know, you you name it up into the woods going in there when there's next to nothing in the woods, you've got a nice firm, hopefully, uh, you know, solid ground, you know, that everything's not leafed out. So you can actually see what it's going to look like. You can visualize what's going to be coming in the fall. Um, it it just, the, the amount of, just whitetail information, just not only from the standpoint of how the habitat works, but also just, you know, doing things that, you know, we've talked about it before, like at the end of the day, deer are pretty lazy and just kind of finding ways to make small, simple tweaks and sort of think like a deer um, to really just get them to fall right into your lap uh, when the time comes. Every single one of those has been just phenomenal. I always love hearing from Sam. Right. Right. So Sam was the first guy that I had in my home, like come in, into my home and do a, do a podcast with me. So that Mm -hmm. was, that was new. That was an experience, but you're right, man, that, that approach that he introduced me to, uh, I mean, I've managed land for a long time, especially down in the South. So I, I get that, but the, the, the systematic approach of, Hey, April is good for this. It's not good for this, this, and this. Right. May is good for this. So do these things. Just approaching things in a whole new way <clears throat> to maximize your time in the field and to make yourself effective in the fall uh, has been huge, man. And honestly, you know, there are there are a very small number of guys that, you know, my relationship with them through this show has changed my life and the trajectory of my life. One of them is you. One of them is Sam Billhorn because I'm, I'm still working with Sam to this day. Like we're working together. I'm started Whitetail Partners, Georgia, right? And yeah. uh, we've expanded that team. We've got Whitetail Partners, Georgia, Ohio, Tennessee, Michigan, now Wisconsin with Sam, like blown up, right? We're serving landowners all over the place. I forget how many States we were in last year, but just a, 
a ridiculous number of acres we helped people manage and kill big deer on. Uh, and just so awesome. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Absolutely. Man, Not I'm to gonna, mention, just the, the growth that you guys have, you know, achieved in such a short amount of time, too, and the fact that you're, you're you, you guys have built out a team that's able to reach, I mean, just about every eastern state that holds deer. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. It, it is covered. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It's really strategic where we're at, and we, we kind of did it on purpose, but kind of not, because... Uh, I mean, honestly, right now we can serve any, like if you're east of the Mississippi or maybe just to the west of it, like we got you covered. We can, we can get folks to you. I mean, we mm-hmm. have, we have served clients in Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, like we've reached all the way that far. And then all the way to the east, we got Greg in Ohio who can get up into like last year he was up in New York doing stuff, you know, I mean, like we are, we are uh, all over the place. If you're, if you have whitetails on your ground, we've got a regional expert to, to serve and meet your needs. So, um, uh, yeah, just an incredible team. All right, Pierce, I, I hate to do this. I've got to give you a cluster of episodes all right, and I'm so, it. so sorry. Um, 2022, November of 2022. <laughs> So a lot going on, dude, there was so much going on. We were both hunting extremely hard. I was getting like two hours of sleep a night, hunting during the day, uh, working at night, you know, for the, for the sportsman's empire podcast network and doing podcasting and, you know, trying to get all, keep all my stuff going. Uh, dude, we recorded episode 62 and episode 63 of, uh, 2022 or of uh, the public land rutcation, right? 62 is Wisconsin rut hunting update. And 63 is the 2022 public land rutcation success story. We both ended up having success. I think the episode 62, was that the one where you had whiffed the day before or something like that? Uh, no, episode 62, that was, well, it all happened in the same day where I whiffed and then was given the middle hoof and then was able to send an arrow through that bad boy. Right. So I think episode 62 is the story of that. If not, it was the day right before or no, you know what it was? was The day right before was when we did the how to hunt deer one talking about mental toughness and like keeping your cool and like maintaining right. steam right. adversity strikes yes. in the deer woods. And we were like, yes. what an appropriate episode that was. I need to listen to that and throw a headphone in the tree stand right now. Right. Cause this is brutal. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, all right. So we, here, here's how it went down. We had recorded the how to hunt deer episode yeah. on the mentality. Right. And we were both just going through it. Episode 62 of the Wisconsin sportsman. You and I, shared I kind of talked about how it just been an absolute grind and the pressure had just exploded exploded right like I ran into and and I don't know how I'm not saying that I have any kind of far reach or anything but when you start running into people in the parking lot who say yeah I just got done watching all your stories on Instagram (laughs) and you realize they're parked at the same parking lot as you you're like to self (laughs) well crap you know when you're when you're thinking man, why is all this pressure here? And then you finally run into a guy instead of just see one from your tree stand. He's like, yeah, man, I've been watching you all week. 
It's been great. Like, oh, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to quit it. I'm going to quit it. I'm not going to do that anymore. So all of a sudden, it went from, like, me showing you, like, okay, here's where I think the deer are going to come through. And I'm, like, panning around to, like, just a video of my face. <laughs> you know, where I'm like, all right, uh, I'm in the woods again somewhere in Wisconsin. And uh, that, that definitely changed the demeanor. But you had already shot your buck when we did yeah. the Wisconsin Sportsman episode. And yeah. you ended up shooting the buck you saw earlier in the season. Which I just, I, I love that story. Um, so folks need to go back, listen to episode 62. And then episode 63 is after I had had some success. Um, and that was, man, that was one for the books, dude. It was just, a, it was an outstanding, not a, not necessarily like an outstanding episode where I'm like, oh, so good. Like the episode's so good. But like the story is there. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the story, uh, I think I was flying solo in episode yeah. 63. But I just told the whole story of the whole week, and I had some notes in front of me, and I just broke the thing down. And, dude, it was just absolutely incredible to go back and to relive that entire hunt. And now I have that, which is might seem kind of weird to go back and listen to yourself. But, dude, go back and listen to episode 63 and put yourself in my shoes. Like, I'm going to listen to that thing on the way up this year for sure. Like, when I'm heading up for my November rut hunt, I'm going to be listening to that episode reliving all the decisions that I made that happened to be the right ones, reliving the the wrong ones that I made, reliving the, man, just stick with it, even though there's pressure, even though you're not seeing the buck you want to see, even though you're struggling, like even though you're getting busted or you wounded a deer, like just keep with it. And uh, it'll be a good reminder for sure. Absolutely. Not to go off on a tangent here, but just it makes me wonder, has – the success that you experienced last year and just that roller coaster of uh, of a week that you had leading up to that kill, how, has that changed kind of your mentality going into this season? Oh, dude, dramatically. How so? Dramatically. Um, number one, I have a lot of confidence that uh, last year I was very nervous because I had just moved from Wisconsin that summer. Mm-hmm. I had done a little bit of postseason scouting, but not a ton before I left. And I was going up there pretty much blind. I hung some cameras in late September. I drove up in late September. You and I hunted together like October 1st or something yeah. like that. And we both hunted together. Mm-hmm. And so I had a little bit of intel. You know, I kind of, I knew what crops were in. I put some trail cameras out. Uh, and was I was getting some good bucks on trail camera all at night. Um so I, I didn't have, like, the highest confidence. Um, but I was able to get on the ground, make the right decisions, make the right adjustments, read the sign, and do what the sign was telling me to do and do what the deer were telling me to do and be creative uh, and keep grinding with the hard work, and it all came together. So this year, I'm in the same boat. I did zero postseason scouting except for what I did my last day in Wisconsin. I do not have trail cameras up here, up there yet. I probably won't put them out until mid-October, because um, <clears throat> I'm going to be I'm going to be heading up there in a couple weeks. Um, maybe do a little bit of scouting then, mostly just trying to see where the people are, because I know where the deer are, um, at least in previous years. Right. And I have confidence, man, that I'm going to get up there and I'm going to see what hand I'm dealt and I'm going to adjust. You Dude, know? confidence is the word that I was, that was the first thing that came to mind. Like, as I was kind of asking that question, just the overall feeling going into this season, I don't know if it's just because, you know, good bucks were put on the ground and that like success 
was achieved. And it's kind of like you almost you get over that mental hurdle of like, okay, it can be done. I've right. done it before. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's okay. The pressure's off. Like it can be done. Um, I'm right there with you, man. I haven't hung a single camera. I've, I've I'm part of it's just, I've been swamped with work and stuff, but going into this season, I'm, I'm kind of, it almost sounds more fun to go out there and just kind of read the sign and see what happens. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I think I'm kind of going into the end of the season with the same mentality as you, um, in terms of just, sitting back and watching right and you know we both accomplished our big goal for the year mine was to take a mature archery buck or a good archery buck i i Mm -hmm. kept my standards pretty low i was like i I think i said i wanted it to be like a hundred inch deer basically you know a a decent two-year-old a good representation for the area i'm not holding out for a three-year-old though was kind of my mentality i did end up passing a two-year-old that I, i i'm glad i didn't shoot him but if I'd come home empty-handed, I'd be kicking myself hard for not yep. shooting him. You know what I mean? Like, he, he would be the one that I was just like, you idiot. You should have shot that deer. <laughs> and this year, he might get shot, right? Like, yeah. if one that size passes me, he might get it. But I accomplished that goal of getting a good deer on the ground. You accomplished your goal of getting your first archery buck on the ground uh, and a, a beautiful buck at that, right? And you made an excellent shot on the deer. You got to watch the deer fall. Like, mm-hmm. going into this season – I'm curious if you have like one or two goals that are like sticking out to you now, or if there's just such a relaxed demeanor that you're kind of just like, man, I just want to enjoy it. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. That's a tough question to answer because it's definitely a a cross of of the two. Um, I think my goal going into the season is, is... I've mentioned it on the how to hunt deer podcast, but I'm, I'm really going to start exploring or trying to explore, uh, you know, pursuing some river bottom deer and potentially some Mississippi Island deer or some, uh, Wisconsin river Island deer. And I'm pretty darn excited for that. I'm, I'm really, really excited for that. Actually part of it is because I bought a used canoe and I'm just, antsy to get that thing out and put it to use but also i'm uh i'm really excited to just see deer in a totally foreign environment to me um right yeah where we're not running off of croplands and field edges and you know ridge tops and stuff like that um but at the same time just kind of approaching it with uh with, with a little bit of a relaxed demeanor in terms of like here's my plan i'm sticking to it i don't know what the heck's gonna happen um we'll figure it out at yeah. the end of the day, as long as I'm 
as long as I, I always find like right before the season, I start doing really stupid stuff when I'm uh, shooting my bow. And so I'm currently trying to just make sure that I uh, don't do that too much. And uh, <laughs> right, right. Just, just make sure the, the target panic and everything's uh, dialed back in and uh, you know, isn't, yeah, I, I do feel like overcoming that last year, like last summer was awful. Like that was one of the worst, just mentally like frustrating pre-seasons I think I've ever had in the whitetail woods where it was just like, I was losing arrows and breaking stuff and was just frustrated until I finally you know, got things reined in, listened to how many different podcasts and interviews and stuff with different archery coaches and stuff. Right. Um, and eventually just, you know, kind of solved the problem by starting, you know, with a target five yards away from me where it's like, you can't not have your pin on the target and uh, just slowly backing things off, breaking down your whole shot process and just kind of overhauling that entire um, side of things. So with that in mind, I mean, I, I'm feeling pretty darn good. My, my goal is kind of same as last year, you know, I'm, I would like to shoot a solid uh, archery buck again. Um, you know, if it's on public land and river bottom, all the better, but really at the end of the day, as long as it's an ethical shot, um, that I'm proud of, I'm, I'm going to be pretty darn happy. Right. Right. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I want to, so one of my goals is to be more present in that moment of truth. You know, last year, uh, I forgot to adjust my sight and, mm-hmm. uh, that cost me the buck the first time. Uh, the second time it was just bad form. I ended up spining the deer, um, <clears throat> So I want to really, I want to really, when the moment of truth comes, I want to do it right, no matter the size of the deer this year. So that is, that is a goal for me to, for me to just slow things down, chill the heck out and take the shot. Like I'm in the backyard, there will always be some adrenaline flow. And if it ever isn't happening, then I don't want to hunt anymore, (laughs) but like, I want to be more in control than feeling like I'm on a roller coaster with no bar holding me in. And I'm just like, got to hold on to it and like manhandle and white knuckle this thing. Right. Right. I want it to just be, I want it to have some flow to it. Um, And then I don't even know how much I want to talk about this. If I'm just being honest with you, Uh, there's a deer that caught my attention Mm -hmm. and I want to shoot this deer. I want to shoot him real bad. And I won't say what piece of property he is on, um, but I think he has the potential to be 180 plus this year, given his age. Um, that's sobering just to even say it out loud. I might edit this crap out. Like this may this may not even make it in the episode. Like, um, but I want to tangle with that deer this year. And it's sure. not it's not him or bust by by any means. Like it is not him or bust, uh, but I do know he's alive, and um, through some intel, and so I will prob I will try to find him the best I can. I will try to find him again, and I'm pretty confident I can get on him. Um, yeah. All right, Pierce. Next, how many you've done two right? I did too. Yeah. All right. What's your third? I've got a a third, fourth. I don't know how many lined up here though. Um, I, I, I don't mean to be biased here and, uh, you know, go off of, you know, episodes that you and I have done together in the, in, you know, in the past, but 
one of my favorite, honestly, it was the highlight of last year as a whole. But when you and I pursued our Driftless Triple Crown. Oh, I knew you were going to pick that one. That one was on my list, too. <laughs> All right. And we came up short. You know, our goal was to um, shoot a bird in the morning and find some morels in the afternoon and then catch some Driftless Trout on the fly in the evening. And uh, we caught some trout, and that was about it. But that day was just a riot. Yeah. In my eyes, because that yeah. was the first time you and I had ever met in person after, right. which was weird. I mean, just felt right. It felt yeah. super weird. <laughs> yeah. But also like, it felt weird because we'd never actually met each other in person or like, you know, done anything together. It was just, I mean, we'd been shooting each other messages for, I don't know how long. And then finally meet up. We are out at a uh, property um, that, that I've got some permission on. And everything just went smoothly aside from the turkeys not cooperating. Right. Like we just like went out there, got our stuff on and just went turkey hunting. And it was like clockwork. It was right. like, we'd been hunting together for years and uh, right. that was well, just such a fun day. Yeah. And dude, we were so tuned in. Like, I feel like we, like, that's the day that I'm like, okay, this dude hunts like I hunt. Like we can, this can work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I will say, I would make one change to the day. Can I tell you what it is? What's that? We would have stayed at the car <laughs> until we realized where the turkeys were. Yep. We would have stayed at the car. Although, we would have heard the birds on the other side gobbling, and we probably would have gone where we were anyway. Right. You know right. what I mean? We probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. But there's a chance that we would have decided, you know what, let's stay on this side of the valley. And there's a chance we would have shot that sucker right in the face. I agree. I think if we would have gone where I killed my bird earlier this spring um, or th of this year, I, I think we would have been sitting there taking pictures with a couple of toms easy because we right. were, it, it was super foggy that morning and the grass grew probably eight inches in the week that I, like, since I'd been out there last. Right. And everything was soaked. Right. And so, like, we're trying to, like, walk up to the spot, get on the same ridge line. We got way too close. That was my bad. We got way too close to those roosted birds with no cover <laughs> aside from fog in between us. Right. Um, and there was, like, you know, a bunch of sticks and stuff that were, like, buried in the grass that, like, we're just stepping on and just making a pile of noise. I'm with you there. I think uh, next time we make it out there, we'll have to stick to the uh stick by the car until we really have a clue uh where things are but well, that be, afternoon too, to be fair we, like you showed you showed me where you thought they were roosted and we both gave it the green light like like neither one mm -hmm. of it like i didn't think we were too close <clears throat> that day the only thing that makes yeah. me think that we should have stayed at the cars is that bird that ended up gobbling on the opposite ridge and then ended right up working. Yeah, the one that ended up, <laughs> you know, working his way down the ridge and then just sounds off directly next to my vehicle. I'm surprised he didn't set my car alarm off. Right. And, you know, just insulting us from across the valley. <laughs> um, that's the only reason I say that. But anyway, you were talking about that, talking about that afternoon. Yeah. And so then, you know, we had some rain come in that afternoon and uh, the landowner, who we refer to as Jim, uh, almost said his real name. And What's that? I almost said his real name by accident. <laughs> Jim. But Jim came out and wanted to know what we were seeing and what we wanted to uh, 
or what, you know, what, what just what our, what our plan was and just came out to, to chat with us. He was splitting some wood and all that. And, uh, he ended up just sharing, I mean, I don't know how many different stories of how many different bucks that he has killed out of, you know, his property or in the surrounding area, um, where he's essentially spent his whole life. He grew up out there and, uh, just hearing the stories behind 155 inch deer and 140 some inch deer. And like, that was like, you know, an hour earlier, you and I were sitting at the bottom of a tree talking about like, yeah, you don't really realize how big a 150 is until you see like an actual 150. Like a lot of people think that <laughs> that buck was like 140, 150. And really it was like, you know, 120, 130. Right. And right. Uh, yeah. And so he's sharing these stories with us and uh, brings out some, some skulls of these deer that he's got. And we're both sitting there like, holy smokes this guy kills big deer. Meanwhile, he's sitting there showing us these things. He's like, well, you know me, I'm just a meat hunter. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't go after the big ones or anything. We're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> you just, you just happen to shoot the giants that are out here. Right. Right. And that was also the day that, uh, Jim was sharing his, you know, I think he said he'd, he'd only killed two or three turkeys in his, in his entire life. And it was when he was in his twenties out there. Um, and he tells the story of shooting a bird, um, that was eating corn out of the, uh, I don't remember if it was a pig pen or a cattle was, trough or something like that. It was corn out, gotten spilled. It was out near, the back of the, of the little like feed shack thing. Yeah. It yeah. like gotten spilled out the back. Yep. And he came up and, uh, he was, he was on his way back in from turkey hunting and he sees this big Tom, um, sitting there eating corn and he kind of uses the terrain to mask his movement and he pops up over this little knoll and he jumps up and he shoots the thing and it rolls and then it gets up and it starts running and he shoots it again and then it rolls again <laughs> and he finally runs after it and he get, you know, gets a boot on it and stuff and is able to kill the bird and he's talking about uh, how he, he and his brother were were discussing an article that his brother had read um, saying how you know everybody's concerned with the, with the the beard length on a turkey, but what really you know separates the boys from the men is the spurs. So you got to go have a look at the spurs, and right. so he yeah you know, was sitting there saying, like, hey, what the heck? I'll go out and look at him." And uh, he goes out there and he cuts him off, <clears throat> and then after he went inside because it was raining when you and I were chatting with him, he comes back out 15 minutes later and he's got a handful of these turkey spurs and he opens his hand and in his palm are two of the biggest freaking spurs either of us had <laughs> ever seen in our lives. And they're still sitting up in my, uh, in my fly tie in room and they're my, my little lucky charms now. But the, I mean, he opens his hand. He's got two, like, I think we measured like one and seven eighths and like two inch spurs. Like they were just crazy. Right. Right. Well, and dude, that's another thing too. Like you start talking with people about turkey spurs. They're like, oh man, that thing had an inch and a half spurs. Oh yeah. man, that thing had two inch spurs on it. Like, no, it didn't because these things look like friggin' axe, like axes or mm -hmm. uh, a spear or a samurai sword or something because these things are huge. Like <clears throat> just looking at them, I would have guessed two and a half. 
Like I was gonna oh, guess, yeah. I was yeah. gonna guess over two inch spurs, but they're right there at that like two inch, you know, inch and seven eighth, or and right at two inches or whatever. And I thought they were way bigger, right? You know, um, so yeah, just I can't goes imagine to show. seeing those actually on, you know, like on the foot because they'd been kind of like cut off of the the back of the turkey leg, so it's just two loose spurs. Right. Um, but man, those things being like, imagine like watching that bird walk across like a gravel road or something. Oh, dude. Like, you would have seen him from a distance. Yeah. He was, he was a turkey you could feel <laughs> you could feel judge that turkey. Yes. I mean, you could you could take a look, you you know that one's mature. But yeah, dude, what a what a solid day. And I th- I think, you know, the the camaraderie, the friendship that we struck up and mm-hmm. then Jim like the, those things just made the day. It wasn't about the birds. We did we did catch some fish, man. We had some good fishing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, had some goblin birds. Uh, I lost a really expensive part of my camera. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great day. It was really, it was I still got to find that thing. Oh, no, it's long gone, dude. I've, I actually swapped it out for another cheaper piece, and I mm-hmm. like this cheaper piece a lot better. Really? Because, yeah, because it's soft. It's rubber, <clears throat> and so it's soft. And so mm-hmm. if it gets hit, it just kind of like bends. And, and it's not a big deal. Uh, sure. So it, it does a really, really good job. But, man, my last episode that – and it was it, it was pretty hard. I mean, that was the one that I was going to put um, as my, my final one that I'm going to mention. But I will pivot. And I'll talk about the episode, episode 78 with Jeremy Dersham. That was a stellar episode. Like, if you're a turkey hunter, that dude knows turkey behavior, especially hunting turkeys in – Hill country and cropland, like in Wisconsin, like that yep. dude just knows his stuff. He knows how to call birds. He's patient. He's almost got a little bit of like that old Southern turkey hunter in him because he's lived in the day when, you know, there weren't a bunch of turkeys and you just had to be patient. And when overcalling would get you in trouble. So like he's lived that yet he'll also take his clients out. And if you want to reap a bird, he'll take you to reap a bird. Like he, you know, mm-hmm. he, he'll throw in some, well, I call that new tactics, but in reality, Native Americans were doing that a long time ago. Um, but the point is, he knows his stuff, and he's so fired up about it. Yeah. Like, he's, his, his energy and his passion are just infectious, man. They like, they're, they're contagious. And absolutely loved having that conversation with him. Again, I will be listening to that episode again whenever I head up to turkey hunt. Uh, you know, this spring or as, as Turkey season rolls back around. And then definitely as I'm riding up, um, you know, from, I think I'm going to be up there in late May this year. I've done sure. the early season a bunch of times. I think I'm just going to do the late season that way me and between me and my family, we're just going to have a bucket of tags. You, you know, it's just going to be, we'll just, we'll be driving up with just tags hanging all out of the car because <laughs> we'll just be loaded up on, you know, zone one, zone two, zone three, late season tags and just be able to get up there and get after it. Um, Cause there's always a bunch left over that time of year. So absolutely. And aside from even the, you know, that was a very Turkey focused episode as well. Um, but uh, Jeremy's also a duck guide too. Yeah. Um, pretty diehard waterfowler. That's as his well. primary thing. And yeah. And I, I think, uh, I think we may have to get him back on to, I agree. Uh, do some discussion on that since I'm going to be dabbling in that this fall, I think. But 
Yeah, dude. And that, that's really the biggest thing. You said it there, the, the, the passion and just the energy that he brings to the discussion about turkey hunting and stuff like that is, I mean, that's what is the kind of guy who gets you excited about it, who like right. you, you want to go turkey hunt after you listen to that podcast. And I think that's I mean, half the battle, really. Right, right. And he's, it's funny too. I think that just, that goes everywhere with him because if you're like, hey man, uh, you know, I'm coming up this spring. Would you have any openings or anything like that? And he's like, oh no, I'm booked out like three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. All right. Well, um, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, never mind. I, I wanted to hunt with you, but cause I was, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going up. Like maybe you've got a opening for, you know, zone one. And he's like, no, 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 I'm booked for three years. I'm like, oh, all right, <laughs> cool. Uh, but I think that's just a symptom of, you know, him having that same effect on everybody of just getting, yeah. you know, getting everybody fired up. So, right. uh, Pierce, man, we're getting here. We're, we're at the 45 or so minute mark. So let's, let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk about the future of the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast, what people can expect from the next hundred episodes. I know that my goal in setting out doing this whole Wisconsin Sportsman thing was to celebrate Wisconsin's outdoor heritage and to celebrate all of the opportunities that people have. The reason that I brought this up was because I got here or I got there to Wisconsin coming from the deep South. I just sent you some pins of the kind of stuff I'm hunting down here and doesn't look good. Does it? Good by Wisconsin standards. No. <laughs> so it's, looking through a Midwestern eye, I'm scratching right, my head. Right. And it's, that's least private ground. That's mm-hmm. not just public. That's least private ground. So, when I got up to Wisconsin and I hear people complaining about the DNR, people complaining about regulations, people complaining about, you know, the public lands and the shape that public lands are in and how they're not happy that the DNR isn't doing enough. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Like this, there are so many opportunities and that's not to like denigrate those people who were complaining because that's all they've ever known, right? Like they, you know, if it's all you've ever known, you see the problems. Like they're, it's really clear. Like it's not that Wisconsin is perfect. It's that there are so many opportunities that I feel like a lot of folks maybe just didn't fully appreciate. Uh, yeah. Or if you've never been there before, it just kind of is what it is. It's, it's your existence. It's the water that you breathe. And so, uh, well, using the fish analogy there, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, two, two younger fish are passing by an older fish. And the older fish says, how's the water, boys? And he says, they say, what's water, you know? It's just it's what they breathe. Like they, they, they never even realize it. So as, as a Wisconsinite, it's just what you breathe in. It's, it's, it's all around mm-hmm. you. But as an outsider, I was like, man, there are so many opportunities here that I did not enjoy growing up, including land access, including quality of land, including quality of animals, including uh, the number of things you can chase. So that's why I started the show. <clears throat> and I think we've pursued that pretty well to this point. We've also put in a bunch of time talking about uh, hunting tactics, hunting strategy, fishing tactics and fishing strategy. We've talked conservation with folks. We've talked gear with folks. We've just shared hunting stories. We've had a lot of great stuff. Um, where are we going from here? You know, I think we're going to kind of, my goal um, is, is to really maintain that steam. And right. the, you know, you and I were talking with Dan last week Um the emperor of the empire. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was explaining to Dan kind of some of my thoughts and, uh, 
ideas on, you know, where to go with the podcast from here. Um, and I was just doing some thinking right off the top of my head and just really reflecting on how many things you can pursue in the state of Wisconsin. Right. And just what an unbelievable playground it is for outdoor recreationalists. And, uh, so I, I think my goal here going forward is, um, you know, we're, we're still going to be running heavy on the deer. Deer aren't going anywhere. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, when you have the, uh, the orange army every year and you've got the world's second largest militia, um, <laughs> running through the woods, uh, it, it's, you know, it's culture that, that, right. that is Wisconsin at the end of the day. Right. Right. Um, you know, Big deer, Buffalo County, you name it, the muskies. Uh, yeah, that is that is quintessential Wisconsin, right? Um, but that being said, there's a lot of other stuff that you know Wisconsin might not be quite as well known for, but they're just there's unbelievable opportunities for um, as well. Like one one of them that you and I have been talking about a decent bit that my eyes were open to last year is just the quality of waterfowl hunting that we get in the state of Wisconsin. Right now, whether being horses. But no, you go ahead. I was going to say, whether it be in Horicon Marsh on the Wisconsin Riverway on the Mississippi Flyway, like it, it is, I mean, we, we, you know, because apparently and my roommate from Minnesota is going to give me some backlash for this. Wisconsin allegedly does have more lakes than Minnesota. Oh yes, indeed they do. You know, apparently that's because we define lakes differently and we've got a bunch of ponds, but nevertheless, we've got a heck of a lot of water in the state of Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> Most of which holds a lot of ducks in the fall and has some awesome, awesome fishing, you know, th- year round, whether you're going through the ice with a fly rod or, uh, you know, off the old pontoon boat. Um, yeah, there, there's so much to do. Right, right. One thing I was going to bring up, man, along those lines, I have never had people reach out um, and say much to me about, like, if I'm talking about, oh, I'm hunting zone one for turkeys or I'm hunting this county for deer. Very few people reach out and are like, hey, keep your mouth quiet uh, until you start talking about waterfowl. And you're like, hey, this, <laughs> this spot, over here, man, you mention a spot on waterfowl. Like, I don't even mean a spot. I mean, like a gigantic area. And they're yeah. like, hey, 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 shh, 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 shh. Like, there's a reason people don't know it's that good here in Wisconsin. And it's because we right. don't talk about it. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so you're going to get some of that. Uh, just be aware. And if you're one of those guys, like, uh, quit gatekeeping. Like, just, you know, just stop it. Stop it. If you don't like when all the people from, you know, uh, Illinois come up and shoot our waterfowl, well, then go down there and shoot your two bucks because they'll give you two tags. So, yeah, yeah, you can return the favor. Get after it. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's the Illinois versus Wisconsin side of things. Because going to college down down in Illinois, I mean, I, I was – it was the same kind of thing like what you were saying. I didn't realize how spoiled I was in Wisconsin until I got down in Illinois. And I was like, right. oh, my God, I can't do anything. Right. This and, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and we can all agree, like everybody can agree, whether you're from Wisconsin or from another state, everyone can agree that Illinois is terrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they they yeah. don't have much public land. They don't have great public land. Uh, yeah, they've got big deer out there. I get it. But they also mm-hmm. have Chicago. So, right. you know, there's that. So, right. uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, whether we can agree on whether or not we should say certain areas for shooting waterfowl, 
we can all agree that Illinois is awful and we can unite around that, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's what we all have. It's what we all have in common. Absolutely. We can break bread with that, right. with that knowledge. Cause they, that, the best part is like, even people from like Minnesota or Michigan or like you know, not people who aren't even from Wisconsin, I feel like Wisconsin, we've got like the biggest, you know, disdain for uh, the fibs coming up. And, uh, yeah, but everybody's just kind of a universal thing. It's like, Oh my God, all those people from Illinois. Like, right. Yeah. Typical. They've got Illinois plates and the Midwestern camaraderie around disliking Illinois is pretty darn funny. Dude, <laughs> when you, okay. So if we were to create a team that was like team anti Illinois, okay. Mm-hmm. Team, we don't like Illinois. Uh, you're going to get 60% of people from Illinois. To side oh, with yeah. you. Like they don't even like their yeah. own state. Yeah. Well, it's it's Illinois and then it's Chicago. People right. in Chicago love Chicago, but they don't necessarily like Illinois. But everybody who's not in Chicago is like, this sucks. Right. Like, and it's because of Chicago's here. influence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. because of Chicago's influence. I will say this. All right. I, I do have to say one thing about Illinois. If you get down to southern Illinois, right, where it touches Kentucky, okay, mm-hmm. I got out at a gas station there. And I was unsure for a minute of whether I was in Illinois or whether I was somewhere along the, the state boundary between Georgia and Florida, which if you've never been there is a special version of rural redneck Methville. Uh, and so. <laughs> dude, that is not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> dude, it, it, it was it was sketch, man. And I'm from the deep South. I'm from the deep mm-hmm. South. And I was like, dang, y'all are Southern. Like I had no idea Illinois was like that, but Illinois, mm-hmm. you get down to Southern Illinois, like those dudes, like, yeah, you qualify. You're Southern, man. I'll, I'll, I'll take you. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, there's rural, there's country. And then there's redneck. And right. uh, it's <laughs> right. now I will say that Mark Twain national forest down on the Southern tip of Illinois oh, is yes, pretty sir. freaking sweet. And there's a lot of good deer hunting down there. Illinois has got that. It's got the golden triangle and I've got a soft spot for the urban uh, smallmouth fisheries around Chicago land where I went to school. Yeah. I feel I'll, like, I'll, I'll, but even so, even so, and, and that's more so, and, and I'm, I'm throwing it on the map here, kind of doing what, uh, you know, but a lot of the, the Illinois folks that I know, they're like, don't tell anyone like nobody fishes this. Like it's cool. Just like our waterfowlers and really, I mean, right. I feel like it's just kind of an unspoken code of being a Wisconsin sportsman. It's just like, I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm going here, but you know, <laughs> general area, maybe I'll name the county. Um, right. That, that was pretty darn fun. I yeah. will say that. And it's cool being able to, uh, you know, if you're in an urban setting, catch 18 inch smallmouth a couple blocks from the Apple store. That is a good time. Yeah, that's sweet. That's sweet. Well, awesome, man. We're coming up on an hour here. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. But, dude, so glad to be bringing you on as co-host. So glad to be celebrating 100 episodes. So thankful for the support of folks listening. And I sure hope they stick around for uh, to hear the update from episode 200. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me uh, join on. And uh, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Absolutely, buddy. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. 
while you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.